Welcome, everyone. This is Michael Blue, and you've connected to the Fellowship of Kingdom Professionals, the podcast, where we are cultivating makers and shapers of culture. Prepare for a riveting time in the principles and practices of the King and of His Kingdom. You are about to be charged, challenged, and changed. I know you're ready. Let's go. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name that you have brought us together this morning with the opportunity and the great privilege of sharing with brothers and sisters the principles of the King and of his kingdom. And it is our prayer, Lord, that the words of our mouths and the meditation of our hearts will be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer, I ask, Lord, that you would build the people, build their faith, their confidence in you. I ask you, God, that you would build their sense of direction, purpose, destiny. I ask, Lord, that you would be as you said you are. Reveal yourself as our shield, our refuge, our fortress, our deliverer. I ask you in Jesus' precious name that you would let the spirit of wisdom and revelation proliferate among us today. Oh, God, you have been so good, so kind, so gracious, so generous, so liberal, so merciful. We thank you for the abundance of all things in Christ Jesus. Be thou glorified. Amen and amen. Praise God in the name of Jesus Christ. Well, we had uh, we had a uh, a good conversation in the first session this morning, I would think. I hope the others of you that were with us will tend to agree that um, that we had a meaningful conversation this morning. Um, one of the things that we talked about, and there were several, but one of the things we talked about was the observances of the month and for the month. And I want to um, mention just a few. This week on Wednesday uh, is National Receptionist Day and School Nurse Day. All right. And what we would do, of course, is broaden that and say all administrators and administrative assistants, we honor you. And all of you in health and in nursing, we honor you as well. And speaking of that, on the 12th, which would be Thursday, is Nurses Day. Nurses Day. Okay. And uh, the 15th is Police Officers Memorial Day. That is on Sunday, the 15th, is Police Officers Memorial Day. I mentioned we honor all of these, but as I looked at the 15th, my heart was touched as I remembered that after September 11, 2001, the attack on the World Trade Center and the other sites, I remembered that police persons, firemen, fire persons, and uh first responders in general, were held in such high regard, heroes, superheroes, and all of the above. And then I look at, instead of 2001, 2020, 21, 
in which now uh, policemen and women and such are looked upon in many instances in disdain and um, and some warrant disdain but as a whole law enforcement has been a blessing to the people to the nation to the communities and uh it's ironic to me that in two decades we go from praising them to pillorying them we go from celebrating them to wanting to defund and dismantle them and uh there are a number of principles that come you know sometimes people people have said that the same people that saying saying hosanna on uh palm sunday will be the same ones who uh yell crucify you on good friday well we don't know whether it was a friday but the point is well made the same people who can praise you and celebrate you one day can sometimes be the same people who want to uh do away with you on another so i just ask that we would be discerning and that we would be uh discreet and that we would not just follow the crowd and the mob mentality but that we would deal with righteousness and justice in every aspect of life and with regard to every sector of human existence. Hmm. All right. Well, we won't dwell on that. The second thing we talked about uh, um, this morning is um, professional testimonies. That is, we um, ask individuals who have seen kingdom principles work favorably in their lives recently that they would share something that was an example. Um, now, this is also foster care month lupus awareness month blood pressure month older americans month i guess senior citizens uh pacific islander month and so on so we acknowledge all of all of those now if there should be bless you elder long if there should be any individuals who are with us who um, can attest to the faithfulness of God in a professional context. That is, there's some kingdom uh, principle that you have utilized and you've seen it work. God bless you, Dr. Person, Apostle Person, we honor you. You've seen a kingdom of God principle or multiple principles work 
professionally in a professional setting, a context, um, we'd certainly love to hear about it. Now, um, the number is right there beside my name, those of you who are streaming. Um, and I will um, take the time to hear you if you are a professional and you are able to testify. Now, listen. You only have 30 seconds to a minute. And uh, so if you do that, if you share that, please do. We welcome it. But please be brief because um, we want to make space if there's someone after you and certainly whatever we'll be sharing um, as our main topic. So if there's someone who'd like to share quickly, just dial the 775-799-9114, dial that and, um, and then unmute by pressing star six, okay? Unmute by pressing star six and we'll be glad to hear or hear from you, okay? I'm going to pause just for a moment. After that, we're going to move forward. If you dial the number that appears on your screen and press star six, star six after you get in, we'll unmute you. And then once you've finished, press star six again and you'll be remuted. Okay. I'm just checking the the phone panel just to see if there's anyone. All right. Well, very good. I know that God is doing uh, great things for many of you. I don't. Um, I don't um, insist that you share because different ones of us are at different points in our day. Some of us are not in position that we would be able to do that. And so we fully understand that. Um, we just want to extend it um, if there should be someone. Okay. All right. Well, silence gives dissent. So why don't we move forward? <clears throat> why don't we move forward? Um, I, I want to um, invite your uh, focus to the passage that we have been using as our theme passage for this series this series that we have entitled God of the Macrocosm. God of the Macrocosm. He's bigger than that. I'm interested, and I don't know about everybody, but I'm interested um, in people knowing who our God is. I'm interested in people honoring him for the great God that he is. Really, I uh, I think that generally speaking, the God we serve is underestimated and underrated by many. Sister Kim, good to see you. Foster care social worker in Charlotte very stressful job and she prays every day that she's making an impact on the people with whom she 
makes contact. Agreed. Agreed. I agree with you. And I'm sure that you are. Knowing who Sister Kim Davis is, I know that you are. And I know that you are a woman who's going to uh, deal with people according to the scripture, according to uh, kingdom principle. And so I'm certain that you are making a difference, making an impact. All right. So. 34 and 3 of the Psalms, Psalm number 34 and verse 3. Psalm number 34 and verse 3 reads, O magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. To magnify means to cause some object, in other words, some area of focus to be seen more large or larger and more clear. We want to make it the image. We want to make the perception larger and clearer. And so um, contrary to the way we state it, and sometimes we are making the right saying, but just the uh, not necessarily the best, um, not the best statement, that when we magnify the Lord, we're not making him bigger. We can't make God bigger, but we can make people's perception of God and perspective of God bigger and thus clearer, bigger, clearer. That's what we want to do. We want to cause people to understand that our God is bigger than what many perceive him to be. It annoys me greatly. I'm personally offended when people underrate and underestimate who our God is and his impact on uh, people's lives, not just the lives of those who are saved, but on the lives of all human beings. All right. Um, it is important if we're going to be effective witnesses and representatives. As a matter of fact, let me go back and um, I'll read to you the same uh paragraph that I read this morning to the group. Um, I have to go back and write now that we're doing the podcast. I encourage you to join us in the podcast. I have to go back and write a summary of the various sessions. And here is the introductory paragraph for last week's summary. As kingdom people, we must be careful to represent God and not to misrepresent him. Many unbelievers are turned off by an aberration of God. Aberration is a distortion. Thinking that they are rejecting him when what they are really repulsing is the irksome demeanor of some of God's people. Some who are his and some who only pretend or presume to be. That's what they're really dealing with. They're dealing with, uh, and we are dealing with, misrepresentations of God. And there are people who hate, they think, God, when really what they hate 
is the misrepresentation. It's not God at all. And uh, what we aim to do as kingdom professionals is to give clarity as to who God really is, how God really thinks, God's perspective of people. Remember last week, I gave you the illustration in which the, um, the unbelieving husband, um, he had a, a wife who was a believer, but uh, he was an unbeliever. Together, they had a, a little girl and the little girl died. And the story is told that some of the believers told him that it was their perception that the reason why the baby died is because he was not right with God. And he cursed them and their God. Their God is not our God, though. What I mean by that is they misrepresented God. They misrepresented him. Nothing in the scripture says that because that man was an unbeliever, his daughter died. There are believers whose daughters died. What was, what was their cause? You understand? So, so that's that's a dis, that's a distortion. That's a perversion. That's an aberration. That's a misrepresentation of God. Now, as I stated last time, that doesn't mean that God is not just. That doesn't mean God is not the judge. It doesn't mean that God will not deal with sin ultimately. But right now, we are in the day of grace. We are in the day of grace. We're in God's day of grace and uh, he is extending grace and mercy to all who seek him. He said in the book of John chapter 10 and verse 10, it is the thief who comes to steal, kill and destroy. And as far as I can tell, the master thief that is being alluded to there is Satan himself. Dr. Howard, congratulations, sir. You're a wonderful representation of what God can do in a life. This is now Dr. Pastor Dr. Jeffrey Howard. Some of you saw it, but some of you may not have seen it, that he received his doctorate officially over this past weekend. We celebrate Pastor Dr. Jeffrey Howard. Wonderful example of what God can do in a life that is committed and submitted to him. All right. So let us be careful not to misrepresent God. Now, those misrepresentations can be transgenerational and intergenerational. I repeat, those misrepresentations can be transgenerational and intergenerational. <clears throat> our view of God, our view of God, is a critical aspect, how we see him. Psalmist Brother Jarrell Smalls, good to see you, sir. Did you hear that? Our view of God, our lens 
our perspective of God. And I'll tell you something. Your perspective of God is what determines how you see the conflict between Russia and Ukraine. Your perspective of God determines how you see this leak in the Supreme Court about the prospective decision to overturn Roe versus Wade. Your perspective of God determines whether you're racist or not. Your perspective of God determines whether you are sexist or not. Your perspective of God determines whether or not you believe God delights in his people being poor or not. Your perspective of God determines your perspective of everything else. We talked about the fact that we must see God as God of the macrocosm. He's the earth, Psalm 24. Do you remember it? Psalm 24 and 1. Don't ever forget it. If you're a kingdom professional, you, you cannot afford to forget this. The earth is the Lord's. Not the earth is going to be the Lord's. The earth is the Lord's. And the fullness thereof. Then the next part. The world and they that dwell therein. The earth is the Lord's now. The world is the Lord's now. There are many people who have an erroneous eschatology. What's eschatology? It is the doctrine of and the study of the end times, the last days, all right? And they believe that the earth will be the Lord's then. And the world will be the Lord's then when he comes back. They believe that Jesus died 2,000 years ago, but all the thousands of years before he came, after the fall of man, and all the years since he came, the earth and the world still belong, have belonged, and still belong to Satan. That is an erroneous eschatology. That is an erroneous view of the end times and of the last days. Jesus is coming back and he, he will rule and reign physically, visibly, bodily, gloriously on this earth. But he will not begin to be Lord when he comes back. He is Lord now. In the book of uh, uh, Philippians, the second chapter, the Bible says in verse nine, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow things in heaven, things in the earth, things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus is Lord, not is going to be, is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let me tell you, <clears throat> the devil is not afraid, and let me say that well, the devil is not afraid of your confession that Jesus will be Lord one day. Now, he knows he's Lord and he knows his time is short, so he's afraid of that truth. But in terms of your day-to-day -day victory, 
He is concerned that you not get the fact that not only will he be Lord then, but that he is Lord right now. When you get saved, you don't get saved by confessing Jesus will become Lord sometime in the future. You get saved by confessing that Jesus Christ is Lord now. Now, friends, you need to <clears throat> get that down in your spirit and up in your head right now. He's Lord now. He's ruling now. Somebody says, well, if he's ruling now, why is all this madness going on? If he's ruling now, why has Russia invaded Ukraine? If he's ruling now, why are Christians and other minorities being persecuted in Afghanistan? If he's ruling now, why does North Korea seem determined to blow up the world? If he's ruling now, why is China seeming to uh, become the red dragon in the worst sense, seeking to bring about uh, domination over the earth? I will tell you why. I will tell you why, though he's Lord now, all those things are happening. They are happening because his people have not taken their rightful place to demonstrate that he is Lord. His people have not taken their slash our rightful place because though he will rule, as I said, bodily, visibly, literally, gloriously in that day on the earth, right now, his rule on the earth is carried out through his body, the church. His rule on the earth is carried out through his body, the church. And so the reason why we don't see the lordship of Jesus manifest as it ought to be is because we are not exercising and executing his influence on the earth as we ought. We're waiting on him to come back and do something. He's waiting on us to get up and do something. The Fellowship of Kingdom Professionals is all about activating you, all about deploying you to declare and to demonstrate and to demonstrate and to declare his present lordship. He's going to come with the future lordship, but we declare, we decree, we demonstrate that he is Lord now. And so no indictment, but if there is blood in our streets and it's not the blood of Jesus, the church is ultimately responsible. I didn't say to blame, I said responsible. If our children that used to be the cuddly, sweet little individuals have now risen up to be gangsters and gang bangers, it's the responsibility of the church. God holds no entity, no agency, no organization, no institution on the earth any more responsible for the plight of the world than he does the church. Because he said to the church, whatsoever you bind on the earth 
shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever you loose on the earth shall be loosed. That's legal terms. That's legal terminology. He's saying whatsoever you permit, whatever you ordain and endorse on the earth, it will be. And whatsoever you prohibit on the earth, it will be prohibited. The church is responsible. You and I, we are responsible. Notice that in each of the parables, in each of the parables of Jesus, where the Lord, L, lowercase l-o-r-d, leaves the country for a while or leaves the city for a while and goes to take care of other business and comes back. I'm talking about, for example, Matthew chapter 25. I'm talking about uh, 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 Luke chapter 19 and similar parables. The end of uh, chapter 24, I believe it is. Anytime you see that Lord back away from something or delegate something, he always leaves it in the hands of stewards. He leaves it in the hand of officers, representatives who are responsible in his absence, responsible for his resources. And I'm telling you that we, the church, are those stewards that are responsible for his resources. You follow that? And so in many, in many cases, when we think of the church, we think of a little isolated uh, hub, an isolated subgroup that's just trying to maintain our own till the Lord comes and gets us out of this old, mean, dirty, low-down world. That wasn't God's intention for us. His intention is that we infiltrate in the best sense the systems. And when I say infiltrate, I'm not talking about having a controlling mindset, a manipulative mindset. God is love. He wants us to go in motivated by love. He wants us to go in motivated by the heart of God toward people into all the world. And once we are there, preach the gospel. And the proclamation of the gospel, though it is verbal, it's not just verbal. It is also demonstrative. It is also acted. Lifestyle and the demonstration of the spirit supernatural phenomena. That's what lays the groundwork for us to verbalize the gospel. These signs shall follow them that believe. You see that? And so if the plight of the world is our responsibility, To see that is a perspective, speaks of and implies a perspective that's not the norm. Because many of us, as far as we're concerned, they're just doing what they're supposed to do. Sinner, sin, 
but you expect sinners to do sin or sin. Well, that's true without the head shake. That's true if you mean that 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 sinners have the nature of the fallen nature, the Adamic nature, and so they're prone to do that which is contrary to the will of God. That's true. But if you mean it's all right, just as long as we stay over here in our little silo, no, my dear friend. Uh, uh, we're messengers of life. We're messengers of light. We're messengers of hope. You see, that erroneous, and I've got to hurry, that erroneous, that erroneous eschatology has a forecast of despair where the world is concerned. That erroneous eschatology tells us that everything is going to get worse and worse. Now, now, somebody says, Brother Boo, when you read the scripture, it does look like things are going to get worse and worse. Here's, here's what I'm saying. The attack of the enemy will become greater and greater. The Bible says that Satan has come down to you having full wrath, knowing that he have a short time. So, yes, we see an escalation of satanic work. But you see, the erroneous aspect of it is if everything gets worse and worse, that includes the effectiveness and the impact of the church being worse and worse, more and more feeble, more and more anemic, more and more irrelevant. And that's the part I cannot accept. If, if, if you want to tell me about bugs and locusts and, 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 and plagues and floods and hurricanes and so forth, if you, can, if you want to tell me about that, I'm not going to fight you, but so much about the fact that those things will occur. And Jesus said that they would increase in frequency and intensity. I can't really fight you on that. I'm not going to fight you at all. But, but where I must disagree with you is, again, the erroneous eschatology that says we're victims of all of that. And all we do is just stand around and watch in horror while the world goes to hell and we keep hoping Jesus is going to hurry up and come and bar, uh, beam us out. No, 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 no. That is not biblical. That's not biblical. Jesus did not leave us here for us to be petrified and terrified and, 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 and hoping that he'll hurry up and come zap us out of here without us having any impact, without us making any difference. We are not called to retreat from this world. We are called to advance into this world in it and yet not of it. You understand? That's where the error comes from. And you see, all those, all those negatives that are coming on the earth Yes, they're coming, but if God's people take their rightful place, we can repudiate and hold back some of what the enemy desires to do. Some of those, those plagues and some of those uh, phenomena and so forth don't have to be as devastating as they can be. When I read, when I read about the, the devastation of Jerusalem, where, where Jerusalem was taken into captivity, when God begins to rebuke the nations around Jerusalem and Judah that 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 uh, celebrated their demise, God says in so many words, 
I intended for them to be judged, but it didn't have to be that severe. Let me say it to you another way. Remember early in the prayer journey, I said to you, our God is master of mitigation. That is, he can take a situation that is going to be bad and keep it from becoming worse. He's the God that if you've got to have a sentence of punishment, he's going to make the punishment as light as possible, yet within the parameters of his will and of his word. He's the God who always mixes judgment with mercy. He's the God who, because he's God, puts the angel in front of Balaam to slay him because Balaam deserves to be destroyed for his disobedience. That's Numbers chapter 22. Yet the same God who put the angel in the path of Balaam to destroy him is the same God who opened the eyes of the donkey that Balaam is riding in order that the donkey will duck and avert the death that Balaam deserves. You've got God on both sides. You've got God deputizing the angel to stand there to destroy Balaam. And you've got God opening the eyes of the donkey to cause uh, the donkey to duck. So in other words, you got judgment in front of him and you got mercy up under him. Hallelujah. Lord, have mercy. That's one of my favorite sermons. I don't want to go so far into that. Did you hear what I said? So judgment is standing waiting on you, but mercy is carrying you around the judgment. That's the God we serve. In other words, he said, I know what you deserve. And I'm God. I'm the judge. I got to sentence you. But even though I'm God and I'm the judge and I've got to sentence you, I'm also your daddy. And I'm, I'm going to do everything within my power to let justice do what justice does while mercy does what mercy does. All right, let's leave it. Your perspective of God, though, that's what I'm talking about. Your perspective of God makes a difference. Now, last um, last session this morning, we were talking about um, the fact that some of our perspective has been fueled by the arts. We gave that as an example, an example. The song of the oppressed is an example of how our perspective of God, our perspective of God's will, God's work is done. I gave the illustration I gave the illustration of um, a song of the oppressed. In other words, a song that arose out of the African-American experience. The song is entitled Walk Around Heaven All Day. Now, please understand this. Please understand this. I'm not fighting the song. I'm not fighting the song. It is beautiful art. It is beautiful art. It is a beautiful song. Okay. It is a, a well-beloved song. It has brought consolation to many people down through the years. 
okay? But what happens is it's all right to have art for art's sake. I said it's all right to have art for art's sake, but when the art becomes our teacher, when the art becomes our instructor, when the art begins to inform us and the art gives us erroneous concept, that's when it becomes dangerous, potentially dangerous. As a gospel chorus instructor, I've taught my choir some songs that were just art. Hey, rockabye baby in the treetop. When the wind blows, the cradle will rock. When the bow breaks, the cradle will fall. And down will come baby, cradle, and all. Did you hear what I just said? You got a baby in a cradle, so it must be an infant. In a treetop, and, and the baby's rocking. The tree is rocking, the baby's rocking along with it. Wind is blowing. The, the baby cradle is on a limb, a bow. And the bow is going to break. The limb is going to break with all this wind. And the cradle that the baby is in is going to fall. Then the baby is going to fall out of the cradle uh, or in the cradle. The cradle is falling. And anything else, the bottle, the rattler, the teething ring, all that's going to fall too. And the, the 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 limb. Do you understand that that's a rather bizarre picture? You got a baby left alone up in a tree. You understand? But you know you 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 got your baby in your arm, putting him or her to sleep, and you bring that beautiful melody to it. Da 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 da. Da 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 da. Right? You don't really mean that. That that's just that's just art. Rather bizarre, but that's just art. Well, you know what? In the church and among believers, there are some songs that have been art, but we've allowed them to go from being art to being heart and they have misinformed us they have misinformed us concerning god okay so it's that sense it's not the art of it the art is fine i'm talking about when you allow hymnology to inform theology and as Africans, when we were brought here, when we were brought here, we didn't know the culture. We couldn't read. Let, let, let me make some points that, why, as to why I call it the song of the oppressed. Number one, we couldn't read. Number two, when I say we, I mean Africans brought here and who later became African-Americans. Number two, we were culturally illiterate. Not only could we not read the language, but even if we read the language, we didn't have a point of reference for how people live and their views and values. We didn't know but so much about church Christianity except for those parts of Africa that had received the gospel. You understand? 
All right. Then thirdly, we were misinformed by the misinformed. What's that mean? Many of the people who were supposed to be teaching us about God obviously didn't know much about God themselves because if they had, they wouldn't have had us in slavery. So we were we were taught. God bless you, Bishop Apete. He's in South Africa. You understand what I'm saying? Um, uh, if they were not the misinformed, they would not have oppressed other human beings who were created in the same image and likeness of God as they. All right. So number four, we, that is they, were living lives of abject poverty and misery based in unjust toil. What were they doing? Working, not like slaves, working as slaves. <clears throat> number five, we dreamed of freedom. Number six, we imagine freedom as antithetical to the present circumstance in which we found ourselves. Number seven, slave songs are documented as having used it, excuse me, slave songs are documented as having used coded language, coded language. In other words, sometimes the song about down by the riverside, lay down my burden down by the riverside, was not just talking about in the future when the Lord comes, it was a code for meet us at the river tonight, we're going to escape. All right? All right. But in successive years, hymnology informed theology. Now, it's fine if theology informs our hymnology, but we have it backwards and we come up with these forms and we make those forms our truth. So item nine, inadvertently, even though now we are a literate people in terms of scholastic academic literacy, but we're still biblically semi-literate at best and totally illiterate at worst. Number 10, finally, we have formed a theology of verse to work. Kingdom professionals, we have formed a theology of verse to work. At least we have a concept of the hereafter that decries work. Now, why am I bringing that up? Because your perspective of God, if your perspective of God does not include professionalism, occupation, vocation, productivity, industriousness, fruitfulness, then you will relegate God to the margins. You'll relegate God to Sunday. You'll relegate God, again, to not being relevant to the workplace and the workspace and the work life. And so what winds up happening in the lives of many Christians is that they have several sets of ethics. They have a set of ethics that works in the worship space and another set of ethics that work in the workplace. Why? Because their perspective of God is that God, if he exists, is only concerned about what I do in the worship space, not in the workplace. God is involved only with what happens in the worship space, not the workplace. God only has power that is pertinent to the worship space and not the workplace. All right? Let's see how that kind of singing can help put us in that kind of perspective. Bless you, Dr. Howard. Listen to what it says. 
uh, one of these mornings, it won't be long, you look for me and I'll be gone. Let's see, that could have had a dual meaning, but let's, let's go on. In other words, I don't think that song is old enough to have been back in slavery, but that phrase, one of these mornings, it won't be long, you look for me and I'll be gone. That song has been, I mean, that phrase has been used in many songs. Okay. But anyway, I'm going to a place where we are have nothing to do. Nothing but walk around heaven all day. Now, You've got to contextualize this. A people who pick cotton from sunup to sundown, who work in tobacco sunup to sundown, out in the sun, out in the rain, live in shotgun houses, putting out pots, trying to uh, catch water that's leaking in the house, uh, using coal and using wood to build fires, barely getting by. You understand? those people would look forward to having nothing to do because they've had so much to do all their lives. They would look forward to having nothing to do but walk around uh, all day. You, you can, in other words, you can see how their experience would inform their aspirations. And then the aspiration is put into a song and all of a sudden the song begins to form their beliefs. All right. Now, every day will be Sunday. Every day will be Sunday. Now, what does that do with the work week? Because you understand, just in case you miss it now, Every day will be Sunday. Sabbath will have no end. Let me go a little further. We will do nothing but sing and pray. Sing and pray. Sing and pray. Now, you have to understand that, again, when you're talking about an oppressed people, Sunday is the day when even the slaves got a break. Sunday is the day when, if no other time during the week, they might have chicken. Sunday is the day that even after slavery, African-Americans could try to dress up a little bit. You understand? And, and, and be important, have a title, have a position. I'm Reverend Blue, Deacon Blue. Trustee blue, steward blue. You understand? Whereas Monday through Saturday, I'm boy or Uncle Michael. You follow what I'm saying? Song of the oppressed. Contextualize it. We understand that. But please understand at the same time, that's not theology. That's a look at history. That's a look at our culture. That's a look at our experience. But that is not a look at the nature of God. God is not an every day will be Sunday kind of God. 
He is God of your Monday as well. See, if, if every day will be Sunday, who's helping you now? Who's helping you today? Who's with you at work now? Who's giving you wisdom now? Who's strengthening you now? Who's encouraging you when you're being dealt with wrongly now? Who's giving you creativity? Who's giving you, as Deacon McClellan mentioned this morning, uh, the innovation to help these children that are failing in school? Because you see, he's only, he's only involved in your Sunday. We must help men and women to be rescued from this polarized, polarizing, narrow view of God. And I only use the song to look at the bittersweet aspects of how our culture has shaped us and how we have shaped our culture. Do you follow me? Not to mock it or to make light of it, but at the same time to put it in its place and not let it get out of its place to damage our perspective of what God has as his intention for us as kingdom men and kingdom women. Do you follow that? He is Lord of Monday through Saturday, not just Sunday. He is Lord of your profession. Whatever gifting that you have, whatever talent that you have, it comes from him. Your genius comes from him. Did you hear me? Your abilities to reason, your ability to anticipate, your abilities to speculate, to harvest and interpret data. He has given you this and he's sitting with you. He's standing with you. He's collaborating with you. First Corinthians three and nine says, you are laborers. We are laborers together with God. We never have quite enough time, but the time that we had has expired. I want to thank you for yours. Remember this, remember this. If you're going to be a part of CCFM Conference 2022, you are encouraged to enroll because the space this year is limited. It's limited. We're back at the Florence Center, but we're, at, we're in the ballroom. We're not in the arena. So that means that the space is severely limited. If you desire to be a part, I've just put the link in. Sign up if you're going to show up. Please do not sign up if you're not going to come because we will be on virtually. You can watch it and participate at the distance. Okay, but if you're going to be a part, you need to enroll. God is with you now. Jesus is Lord now. And he wants to exercise influence in that field where you're working, that field where you're striving day after day to bring about change, where you are striving to make lives of people better. You're trying to make experiences of people better. You're trying to bring healing to their bodies or healing to their relationships or healing to their mentalities or healing to their finances. And of course, as believers, healing to their spirits. My friends, I'm telling you, 
God is with you. God is with you. Sister Michael Bean, we will handle that just a little bit later. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Okay. I hope you've been encouraged. I hope you've been strengthened. Uh, by the way, I'll go ahead and wrap it. Um, by the way, in the hereafter, we are not going to walk around all day as though we were just tourists. We'll be tourists for a while, no doubt. But we have work to do. Oh, gosh. I'll come back next week. We have work to do in the eternal. Why do you think God has given you all these abilities and talents? And, 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 and listen, how many know that as you age, the more you age, the sharper you become in your areas? And right at the time when you've really learned how to teach, it's time for you to retire. Right at the time you've learned how to practice medicine, it's time for you to, but no, God has given you all of that insight and it's going to translate when he translates you into the world to come. No, my dear brothers and sisters, there's a work for you to do. There will be no toil in it. There'll be no strife in it, but you will be growing, learning, being, becoming, and doing for all of eternity. You will not be bored in the new Jerusalem you will not be bored in eternity. You better make sure you don't miss it. You're in for a ride. Until we meet again, this is Michael Blue of the Fellowship of Kingdom Professionals encouraging you to go forth today and lead. Make the name of Jesus Christ glorious. Make the career of Satan ever more brief and ever more miserable. Together, let us bring pleasure to his heart and fame to his name. Until we meet again at the appointed time, my dear brothers and my dear sisters, may the peace of God go with you. Thank you for listening to the Fellowship of Kingdom Professionals, FKP, the podcast. If you'd like more engagement, click the link in the show notes to join like-minded professionals in the FKP Facebook group. Follow us at Bishop M.A. Blue on all platforms. Also join the FKP Weekly Conversation Live every Monday at 11.30 a.m. Eastern on Facebook Live and on YouTube. Finally, be sure to rate and review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. May God bless you until we meet again.